Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Jackie. Hi guys, I'm Jackie, compulsive eater and sugar addict. Hi Jackie. Um, I'm really thankful to be here and thank you for letting me do service. I definitely didn't want to come out in the rain tonight, but I do want to stay abstinent and part of that is um, you know, being of service for me. So again, thanks for having me and welcome to the newcomers. Keep coming back, it works. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I tried to not do too much prep to speak because I'm a perfectionist. So I want to tell like the perfect story. And um, that's something that I really have been struggling a lot to let go of, especially in the last year. So... You know, what I did do was I just asked my higher power to come to this meeting with me and sort of guide me on what I can talk about. Because I really only have one story, so it's not going to really, I mean, some people in this room have already heard me speak this month, so sorry about that, but like I said, I have one story. So I'll just tell you a little bit about um, my beginnings. Um, I grew up in a very uh, functional alcoholic family. And um, on the outside, my life looked really good. And I would say I had a happy childhood, you know, if you, if you asked me. But it was that um, underneath that was not always so great and really shaped me into who I am today um, and the compulsive eater that I became. Um, I don't think I was born a compulsive eater, but I was definitely born an addict of some kind. So I was going to pick up some substance at some point. And some of the things that, um, you know, happened to me were um, our house was super chaotic. Um, I, had th I have three older sisters and a younger brother, and we had three step-siblings. Um, my dad worked a ton, and it was just my mom trying to corral everybody. And you never knew what you were going to get when you opened the door. It was like... A crazy a crazy time um, and so as a result of that I really relied on control to help me feel safe um, my mom still to this day teases me about how in first grade I used to make my lunch every night before I went to bed and I'd set my clothes out and I'd have like three alarms set to get me up but nobody else was gonna do that for me so I had to do that in order to feel you know safe in my house um, another thing, um, that was part of my growing up was, uh, probably when I was eight, my brother got diagnosed with diabetes and suddenly like sugar was taboo. So I love sugar and, um, I learned to sneak eat. So I started sneaking. I was super controlling. Um, I also was told really young that you have to be thin and pretty or no one will love you. And well, Jackie, you're almost there, but not quite. So I grew up with this like really distorted view of what I look like. Um, I never, I wasn't a heavy kid. I was an athlete and I was pear shaped. So I had, um, you know, not the right body. I wasn't tall and skinny like the other people in my family. So therefore I was fat. And that's what I thought for, for a long time. So um, another thing that happened is around that time when I turned eight, 
my mother decided that we were gonna um, get religious and um, I was I had to go to catechism and I had to go to church on Sunday and I just didn't really ever make a connection with a higher power so um, you know they talk in program about um, how recovery is a three-legged stool it's the physical emotional and spiritual well I had like a one-legged stool growing up I was like balancing um, on maybe like the physical I think that's probably all I had um, another thing that uh, resulted from growing up in my house was that uh, we were basically not allowed to have any emotions you know you couldn't be too happy you couldn't be too sad you had to be fine all the time um, so I really was stunted emotionally so I would say um, again on the outside everything looks fine I'm a good student I'm popular um, I'm an athlete um, but I there's just like something missing um, I was very precocious as a kid I knew there was something weird going on in my house but they would always tell me like oh everything's fine like I would hear my parents fighting at night and I would ask in the morning what were you guys fighting about they'd be like we weren't fighting you know so I have just have this wacky perception of like what's real and what's not um, I'd say around 12 or 13 um, I started going through puberty and now I really hate my body it's just not cooperating um, I'm curvy it was at a time in the 80s when all the jeans were straight no clothes really fit me shopping was a torture again I'm not fat I just think that I'm like horrid horrible looking um, and around 14 or 15 I find alcohol and this sort of helps me now deal with all the uncomfortable feelings that I've been stuffing down, not with food yet, but I haven't, I'm not allowed to feel any emotions. I don't know, even know how to at this point. So now alcohol is like a crutch that I'm using to sort of help me um, deal with not being able to have feelings. Um, another thing that I'm using is exercise. I'm an athlete, I'm a gymnast, I play soccer, I play sports all year round, all the time. So I think that's sort of helped keeping me in balance too. Um, and I sort of like hobble along on my one-legged stool through my teens and I get to college and um, sophomore year I decide to switch to like the hardest major in the entire college because I'm a perfectionist and I want my parents to think I'm awesome but man all that studying really cuts into my drinking time so um, this is why I like pick up sugar for the first time big time so now instead of drinking I'm eating sugar all the time um, and I don't really think anything's like wrong I just really I like sugar you know and um, I go home from college, my mom says, oh, when are you starting your diet? And um, that was my first foray into my, my first diet. It was, you know, the, the two shakes and a sensible meal. And um, picked up drinking again, so now I'm balancing the dieting, the binging, and the drinking. And I continue doing that for like the next decade through my 20s. So during this time, while I'm trying to do this balancing act, um, on my one-legged stool. I still am not good with emotions. 
Um, but I managed to graduate from college. I managed to get a job. I move across country out here from the East Coast. Totally pulled a geographical. Um, I met my husband, and now in my early 30s, I'm pregnant with my daughter. And again, I can't drink now. And then once again, the sugar just, I go crazy. I'm watching Martha Stewart every morning, and I'm baking whatever she's baking, and I'm eating it <laughs> myself. And it got to the point where, um, well, my seventh or eighth month, the doctor said, you got to stop eating. I mean, I'm pregnant. I'm eating for two. So I gained a ton of weight during my pregnancy, and as soon as I have my daughter, um, I decide I'm, I'm getting back on my little my circus here. I'm like on my unicycle with my alcohol and my, you know, uh, binge eating and my sugar and my over-exercising. And now I got a baby thrown in the mix. And it's not going well at all. Um, it's really hard to be hungover with a baby. And it was just, alcohol wasn't doing it for me anymore. And so my weight starts going up and down and up and down. And dieting, the older I'm getting, is getting harder and harder and harder. And my perfect facade is starting to crack, too. Um, I'm starting to exhibit behaviors that I promised myself I wouldn't do to my daughter. Like telling her, if you're going to cry, go in your room and do it alone. I couldn't deal. I didn't know how to deal with like this little person who was so full of emotion. And I thought to myself, oh, God, I don't want this. I don't want this for my daughter. Um, and I started getting really depressed, and it was actually my mom who noticed it and said, I think you're, you're depressed. And I was super pissed at her because I thought, oh, I'm not depressed. I just am fat. Like, I can't lose weight. That's all that's wrong with me. And I went on the Internet, and I looked up the symptoms of depression, and, you know, sure enough, it wasn't for me the way it exhibits is that I just got really lethargic, and, like, life is just hard everything's so hard and I'm so tired thank you so I decided to go see my doctor about it and they said yeah you're you're depressed and here's some medication and oh we really think after talking to you you should go to like an adult children of alcoholics group and I don't really know what that was, but I, I, you know, again, my life was getting unmanageable enough for me to realize I needed to do something. And the, the tricks that I knew weren't working for me. So I went to this group, and part of that group, the agreement was that you had to stop drinking alcohol. And so once again, the sugar was like, this time, every single time I would stop drinking, the sugar addiction would get worse. And I, morning, noon, and night, all I wanted to do was eat sugar. Um, but luckily, I kept going to this group, and I got into individual therapy, and that gent gently led me to 12-step programs. And I started in AA, and honestly, I wasn't really hearing my story in that room, in those rooms. And it wasn't hard for me to give up alcohol because I replaced it with sugar. So I was just, again, I remember saying to my therapist, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, I can't stop eating sugar. Like I miss the bus and I feel like I got to go get a treat at Starbucks. I'm, I'm tired, so I'm trying to pump myself up with sugar. I don't want to eat any real food. I just want to eat sugar. And so she said, well, why don't you try OA? And I'd never heard of it before. But 
I was willing to do anything because as I mentioned, my diets weren't working. So my weight was going up and that was like unacceptable to me. So I said, okay, I'll go into the rooms. And I actually came to my first meeting um, here in this building and it wasn't this meeting, but it was a Sunday night meeting and I immediately heard my story being told and I thought, ah, okay, I'm here. I'm definitely in the right place this time. Um, however, (laughs) I was ready to do OA as another diet. I heard food plan and I heard steps a little bit and I didn't hear God at all. I wasn't interested in that. You told me I could take what I like and leave the rest. I was happy to leave God. I wanted that food plan. That was kind of it. And I was willing to do the steps because I could see how they could help me. Um, so for... What I started with was a very strict food plan. That was just like one of the diets I used to be on, but now I was doing the steps. So honestly, I did see some changes in my life, but a year into it, I'm in relapse again because I can't get rid of the sugar cravings. I'm just white knuckling it and I'm using, now I'm using like the steps as my crutch. So I'm in relapse and I decide that my answer is a tighter food plan. If I could just find the right food plan, I still wouldn't need God, and I just could work my steps harder. So I came back, and that was one of the things that I never left. I kept coming to meetings. I got an even tighter food plan. I kept working the steps. My life was getting a little bit better, but I was in relapse again in a year. And so all those times that I'm going through through relapse, I'm getting a little bit closer to realizing, like, I think there's something to this higher power thing. And um, my problem was my higher power was always me. You know, as a control freak, I was always used to doing things for myself. And it was ingrained in me really early that nobody's going to do anything for you. You got to take care of everything yourself. So it was really, really hard for me to take step three and turn over everything to a higher power. So plus, the higher power that I had envisioned was from the religion of my youth, and it was a punitive father figure, which wasn't helpful for me. I do a really good job of beating myself up. I don't need someone watching over me looking for what I'm doing wrong. So I had to think um, really hard, and with the help of a sponsor, figure out what could be a higher power that could work for me. Because I was, again, that three-legged stool, I maybe now had two legs. You know, I was learning how to deal with my emotions with um, out using substances. Um, I was in a body size that someone other than me deemed healthy. And um, what was missing was the spiritual piece. I had no spiritual life. And one of the things that I had to come up with for a higher power was, um, for me, I need an individual higher power who's just mine and mine alone. Because I used to feel like, how, how could God care about what I put in my mouth when God has to worry about war and famine and natural disasters, how could what I put in my mouth possibly matter to God? 
But to my God, it definitely matters because I'm here for a purpose other than serving myself. You know, I had to figure that out, that I'm not just here to be a pretty ornament. You know, I'm here to be of service to my fellow humans and to myself and to my family. And I can't do that if I'm in the sugar. And um, I also can't have a higher power if I'm eating compulsively because that connection between myself and my higher power just gets shut off. So the way that my life looks now, I'll just tell you kind of some stuff that's going on in my life um, to sort of give you an example of how I'm using program in my life. My work life is really busy right now. And um, I have to remember that when people ask me, how are you doing, that I'm not my job. And I don't say, oh, I'm so stressed and tired. I have to like, very clearly say and humbly say, you know what, my, my work is really hard right now, but my life is really good. Um, I'm getting ready to go to Paris this summer for the first time. And I don't have to diet before I go. <laughs> I don't have to get a whole new wardrobe of clothes because my clothes all fit me. I don't have to control every single second of our vacation so that I feel safe. Um, I can ask my husband for what I need, which is I can't stay in a hotel for a week. I have to stay somewhere where there's a kitchen so that I have the chance of being abstinent because I can't eat at a restaurant three meals a day. There's too, too much decision making that has to happen. Am I going to get this or am I going to get this? If I have a kitchen, at least I know what I'm going to have for probably breakfast and lunch, and then maybe I only have to make a decision for one meal a day. right? But those things were not possible for me before because, for one, I didn't feel like I deserved to have my needs met. And two, I didn't know how to ask for them. Um, I was afraid of, well, what's going to happen if, if my husband says no, which he never would because he's the nicest person on the earth. Um, I was just afraid to do all that. And um, being able to sort of ask for my needs and then turn them over to my higher power and trust that they'll get met is only possible because of program for me. Um, you know, another thing that's going on for me is I have a teenage daughter who doesn't hate me. You know, when I was 15, I hated my mother. I never talked to her. I never would have shared any part of my life with her. My teenage daughter actually likes me, and that absolutely would not be possible if I was still compulsively eating and not working the program, for sure. So again, um, I really am so thankful to be here and be able to share my experience, strength, and hope with you guys. Um, thank you for letting me share, and I think that's it. Mm -hmm.